So we're exploring this unexpected verse that says, Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. A little bit surprising. We worked on this uh, yesterday, but there's another angle to it uh, that we need to look at today. So um, thank you for joining me, and we'll continue this verse. Colin Cook here, and how it happens. A broadcast on the good news of our Heavenly Father, the God of all creation who is redeeming the human race, who is bringing to back to himself, as Paul says in chapter 11, verse 36, is it, uh, of from him and through him and to him are all things. All things will be restored. And God is setting about, has set about that through his Son, Jesus Christ, As we learn his plan and as we learn the work of God, our faith is trained. Part of God's gift is his faith to us. And as we believe, we have access to the Father. We know that we are safe with him, that our sins have been taken care of and the judgment has been removed, and that we have a new identity in his Son, Jesus Christ. So, If you'd like to keep growing in grace, uh, you might want to listen to this program. It could help you. Listen in on your smartphone. Simply download a free app, Spotify, Podbean, or, or SoundCloud, and key in how it happens when you get there. You can do the same with uh, Google Podcasts, or you can listen on the radio at 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning on KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states. So here we are with this verse, which, by the way, is repeated. I mentioned uh, the uh, other verse yesterday, um, but now it is no longer I who do it. That, let's take verse 16. If then I do what I do, will not to do, if I do then what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. That's verses 16 and 17. And then verse 20 says the same thing. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Now, as you know, yesterday I made this point that this is Paul recognizing his new identity in Jesus Christ, and that therefore the identity that he has in his natural human nature is no longer his, because Christ, through his death on the cross, took the judgment of my humanity upon himself. His death was a representational death for all humanity, He took the judgment for the world and for you and me. And that's why Paul can say, Thank you, dear God, that I am no longer identified in my sinful human nature. I'm now identified in Christ. This is so important uh, because we need to be able to separate ourselves 
from the sin problem. We, do, we must not identify with it. It's not to say we are going to denial. We don't say, well, I didn't. Uh, it wasn't my fault. I couldn't help this. Uh, it just happened. Uh, that's not what, do, not what we're doing. We're learning to distance ourselves in identity from our addiction or sin issue so that the new self becomes a clear vision in our minds and hearts, and we therefore act on that new vision and not on our sense of the old self. As I mentioned yesterday, it's important not to say, if you say we're an alcoholic and going to AA meetings, hello, my name's George and I'm an alcoholic, but rather I'm struggling with alcohol. That's a very important distinction. But now let's see something else here. What Paul is also helping us to understand is that sin is something more than what we do. He says, it is no longer, when I do what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. In other words, there's something operating in human nature that is greater than I am, bigger than I am. There is something that I do not understand about myself. There is something about the mystery of iniquity here. And that's so important because many, many evangelical Christians believe that sin is simply something that we do and we need to stop doing it. Now, this idea simply implies that I, if I get the right um, perspective or exercise the right will power, if I call upon the aid of the Holy Spirit, I can master sin. Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, Colin, you're not telling us we're going to be sinners all our lives and do sinful things all our lives, are you? It, no, there is a change. There is a new birth. There is a new direction. There is new behavior and new life. But it doesn't come by the law. This is what this chapter is all about. In other words, it doesn't come by human performance. It doesn't come by willpower and certain forms of discipline and techniques and what have you, and conformity to rituals and, and the law, it's something else that happens. And what Paul is saying here in this verse is that sin is something bigger than I am. Just, just try to think of it. Look at, listen again. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. In other words, something bigger, something mysterious, something beyond myself is operating. Why is it important to, to understand that? It's important to understand it because if sin is bigger than I am, then I need a deliverer. I need someone to rescue me. I am not in a position to rescue myself. Do you remember the Psalm 40? I think it is. Let's take a look. And there he says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. 
Do you see here, poor, uh, David is realizing that he's in a pit. He's fallen into a pit. Now, he recognizes this pit is so deep that he simply cannot crawl the walls. It's slippery, it's slimy, and it's too, high, uh, too deep. He can't get out. He needs help. And so he calls upon the Lord, and he waits patiently for him, and the Lord lifts him up out of the horrible pit. That is a really solid and good illustration and picture of what sin is, do you see? We need to recognize something bigger than us, bigger than we are, is holding us down. It's not simply a question of d developing more willpower. And this is where we need to call upon Jesus Christ. This is why we call Jesus a Savior, somebody who saves. I remember an illustration years ago that, some, that uh, I saw. Actually, it was a more than an illustration. It was a painting by a modern artist, uh, Harry Anderson. And he was painting the picture uh, illustrating salvation. Uh, this car, a 1950s, I think it was a car of the 1950s, and I wouldn't remember or know which one. But anyway, it was at the crossroads. A man and a woman were in the crossroads, and Jesus was standing by the side of this convertible and uh, with the open top and was pointing uh, that there were two directions. They were at a crossroads, and one said death and the other said life. And Jesus, of course, was pointing to life. So this couple, obviously, by the intent of this uh, painting, uh, was deciding whether to go the way of life or the way of death. Now, as much as I respect uh, Harry Anderson's paintings, uh, they are very beautiful in many, many ways, modern, uh, modern uh, illustrations, but the painting gave a completely wrong message. Why? Because the situation is not that we are at a crossroads and we are uh, in charge of this car and we'll decide on our journey whether we shall go to the left or right. If the illustration were accurate in, uh, in relation to real life, the car would be in the ditch upside down and we would be, uh, that couple would be trapped under it. That is the nature of sin. The nature of sin is that we are in the ditch, we're in the pit, we are trapped and we cannot get out unless the mighty Jesus comes down into the pit and heaves off that car from our bodies. That's what we're talking about, do you see? And this is why Paul, a little later, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, says this, O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And what does it say? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, somebody jumps on this immediately and says, well, Colin, that's what I've been talking about all along. I've be, I think your interpretation in regard to I do what I cannot, uh, what I don't want to do and what I want to do, I don't do. And you call that the life of the converted man. That's wrong because the verse in verse 24 says there is deliverance. Yes, I agree. But what is the deliverance? 
In verse 24, it says this, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. But then it says, So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. In other words, even when Paul has talked about deliverance, he says that the mind serves the law of God, but the body serves the law of sin. So what is this deliverance? It is what I've said all along in chapters 5, chapters 6, and chapter 7. God, through his son Jesus, has taken the judgment against sin upon himself and took the full brunt of condemnation and death upon himself so that we are freed from condemnation and we are freed from judgment, and we are freed from the identity of sin, and we are freed from the condemnation of the law. We are dead to it, so that we do have a new life, so that guilt and shame and fear are no longer harassing us and bringing us down. But that does not mean that we don't still have a tussle with sin, but we do not now allow ourselves to come under its judgment or identity. That's what the message here clearly is. Now then, if you understand that, you begin to realize that we have a new master. It's no longer the law that's endlessly judging us and condemning us and pointing out this is wrong and that is wrong. We have a Savior who is our new master, and he is our friend, and he is our supporter, and he's not judging us. He's supporting us. He's leading us forward. We have fellowship with him. We are no longer under the master of a principle. We're under the fellowship of a person, and that is the difference. We now have fellowship with God through his Son, Jesus Christ. Please help to support the program if you can with a donation. It's uh, $39 per radio broadcast and $900 per month to keep going. So if you'd like to make a donation, please send it to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160, or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thank you so much for all your support. I do appreciate it, and I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.